from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Happy Monday. Happy to be with you guys on this Monday edition of the program. A bunch of stuff going on tonight. It's the eve of the New Hampshire primary, and if that's going to be anything like the um, last, uh, well, not a primary, it's more a caucus, the one in Iowa, uh, the Iowa caucus, Uh, We're going to see another big night for President Trump. Of course, the big story over the weekend was that Ron DeSantis has suspended his campaign. We have this audio, right? Uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida making the announcement over the weekend. And, uh, of course, you've probably heard this all day, but uh, I'm going to make sure that you hear it again, making his um, um, exit speech, DeSantis citing a number of things. Uh, But um, one of the things that I think in particular um, that stands out, well, you know what? I'm going to let you hear it. You decide. Listen to this. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time. Now, you heard him say if there was something I could do, more campaign stops, more interviews. Hey, hold on a second. Maybe an interview with me would have been good, right, Governor DeSantis? Now, listen, I'm not being petty. I'm just being funny right now. But uh, I just find it so interesting. You know, Trump came on the show. Vivek Ramaswamy came on the show. Doug Burgum came on the show. So many people that were running in this contest came on the show, but not Ron DeSantis. I remember uh, we reached out to them and said, hey, look, you're welcome to come on and share the platform and uh, reach out to all of the people listening across the country that are tuned in late at night, right? There's not a whole lot of uh, national late night shows in the 10 o'clock hour Eastern time. And they ignored us. They ignored us each and every time. And am I salty? No, I'm not salty. But when he says something like, maybe if there was more I could do, yeah, I think there's a plenty you could have done. You could have gone on a lot more shows. You could have taken more interviews. You could have uh, just been more forthright with this campaign instead of uh, taking the approach that you did. And I think that's why towards the end he was getting trolled all over the place. But again, Governor DeSantis, uh, no ill will towards you at all. I actually like Governor DeSantis a ton. I think he's America's governor. I think he's done a phenomenal job in Florida. I hope to make him my governor one day when I move to Florida. And uh, he always has an invitation here. So uh, congratulations to Governor DeSantis on a campaign that was well, uh, well fought, I should say. And um, and looking forward to um, the rest of his um, support for President Trump, which he announced in that same clip. You could play the rest of the clip and donate their resources. if We don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. 
I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. So that's uh, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, again making his official announcement that he is out of the game. Now, I believe that uh, President Trump tomorrow is going to emerge victorious as he did. Again, getting the endorsement of Ron DeSantis, uh, getting the endorsement of Vivek Ramaswamy. It seems like there's a lot of support out there for President Trump. From here, he moves on to South Carolina and South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who's been a big critic of Trump's. Uh, she's also stepped up and said, you know what? I'm putting my support behind President Trump. So it seems like all the um, support is lining up against uh, against, I should say, in support of President Trump and against President Joe Biden. And uh, that's what I'm expecting to see. There might be an upset. We'll see what happens. Now, of course, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley is uh, in the game, right? She's still in the game as far as I know. And uh, her thoughts on President uh, President Trump and Ron DeSantis is that she feels that the DeSantis voters will not necessarily go for Trump, despite Ron DeSantis telling them, hey, listen, I'm, I'm supporting Trump. Follow me in doing that. Listen to this. Where do his voters go? Because based on polling, it looks like they go two to one Trump Haley. In other words, everyone who breaks away from DeSantis, Trump would pick up about 66% of his. I mean, that's what y'all think. What I'll tell you is I know that the DeSantis voters, they love America and they wanted a new generational leader and they wanted a conservative that was going to go in there and clean up government. And that's what we're going to do. I mean, let's be clear. I voted for Trump twice. I was proud to serve America in his administration. I agree with a lot of his policies. He was good at breaking things. You got to be good at fixing things, too. This is a time we've got to fix America. That's what we're focused on. And rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. <laughs> rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. You know, I got to tell you, I don't think this is a very advantageous approach for Nikki Haley. I don't think that this is going to get a lot of people over to her column going, you know what, Nikki, you're right. You're right. I like Trump that he's a bull in a china shop. But at some point, we need a tactician. We need somebody who can do the Rubik's Cube with their left hand behind their back and blindfolded. I don't think people are looking for that in Donald Trump. I know I'm not. I've never looked for him to be my my moral compass. I've never looked for him to be uh, my pastor or my priest. I've always looked for him to be my president. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm biased. I'm wondering what the rest of the country thinks. You let me know whenever you decide to call in. Uh, do you agree with Nikki Haley? I know I don't. I don't agree with Nikki Haley. Now, there's been some criticism of Donald Trump because he uh, called Nikki Haley by her given name 
in a, in a social media post. And they're saying that this is a racist dog whistle. And what I'll say is I think it's an effective move. That I do. Uh, I think it's equally as effective when uh, people would uh, call uh, President Obama Barack Hussein Obama. And people would say, oh, why do you call him that? Well, that is literally his name. <laughs> so Now, is it a racist dog whistle? No. I think it adds to the conversation. I think that it opens up the... Uh, now, people are going to say, Rich, but what is it adding? Well, it's adding the facts. And, well, why do those facts matter? Because they do, right? That That's just the bottom line. Th- those facts matter, period. You know, if my name were actually Ricardo, um, I would not be ashamed of that. I would actually appreciate that. But it's not. It is Richard. Uh, but if it were and somebody were to say, Ricardo, uh, I, I can't sit there and get mad and say, oh, my gosh, my opponent is now uh, drawing uh, attention to my given name, which happens to be an ethnic name given my uh, my parents' uh, Puerto Rican heritage, and uh, uh, this is somehow a slight on my campaign? I don't think so. I think that's, in spite of so much, that's what you're running on, right? You're saying, this is who I am. I am this person. This is where I come from, right? If anything, it's something you should embrace, not something that you should shun. But anyway, those are my thoughts on that. I'd love to know your thoughts. Plus, we're going to check in on what's going to happen With the fallout from DeSantis, we're also going to find out what is going on in New Hampshire tomorrow. We talked a little bit about that. We're going to get into that a little bit more straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, lots to cover tonight, so we're going to keep the calls brief. But let's go to Jim, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on America's oldest radio station, KDKA, the home of Wendy Bell. Go right ahead. Yeah, I saw you on her show the other day, not recently. Um, Wendy's my homegirl. Hey, yes, sir. Uh, I'll tell you, I, uh, yeah, she's really good. Uh, let me just give you, give you my take on uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, she's a swamps candidate, let's face it. Um, a couple examples. Um I remember she was taking a beating in the in the uh while Sami criticized her daughter for using TikTok. Well, I thought maybe the daughter was like, you know, a teenager. I saw her her with her daughter. Her daughter looked like to be about 24 or 5 college girl. Now, TikTok <laughs> is owned by China. Yeah. Now, the Communist Party is it, it, anyone who knows anything about China will tell you that it's it's the same. That's like I'll give you an example. That's like the Democratic Party if there was no Republican Party and they owned the media and you say, well, no, there's well, no do. connection. Come on. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say. I'm, being, I'm saying it rhetorically. Right, right. Now, of course. Tongue in cheek. She thinks she's going to stand up with Trump. It was, think about it. She was the U.N. secretary. The U.N. person. The U.N. ambassador. Job. Right. Yeah, ambassador. They deal with all those misfits from all these other countries and they start to make them look good. You know, really. I mean, really, if you I mean, that's a. 
let's put it this way. Uh, Trump was on, and I like this. Uh, Jim, I'm sorry. It sounds like you're cutting in and out. But I think you bring up a good point. Now, look, when, when Ramaswamy went after her kid, uh, I said it then, I'll say it again. Come after one of my kids and see what happens. That's all I'm saying. Take it how you want. This is competition is between you and me. Now, I don't think he should have brought that up. A lot of people thought it was legitimate. Uh, I don't know if my kids have TikTok or not. I've explained to them I don't like TikTok. I don't mess with TikTok. I think it's, you know, it's the enemy. And uh, I'm not messing with it. But that being said, I, I know that a, a lot of people um, were critical of that. I, I Again, I don't like TikTok. I didn't particularly think that was very effective for me. Uh, I didn't think he scored any points uh, from my view because he went after somebody's kid, irrespective of how old they are. But what I will say is that you're spot on saying it's a swamps candidate. Nikki Haley was was a Republican, a country club Republican, if you will, uh, that that seemed to take on some um, conservative positions when she was in the Trump administration, uh, seemed happy to serve Trump, uh, famously said, if Donald Trump runs, I'm not running for president and then decided to run anyway. And that was a big one for me. Uh, and again, I've talked to Nikki Haley a few times. I think she's really cool. I think she's a very nice person. I think she felt like this might have been her only chance to win, uh, to run and win and do what she had to do. God bless her. Let her do what she's got to do. Uh, I'm not going to pressure her to get out of the game. I think any person observing this politically should look at it and say, hey, what's going on here? But uh, ultimately, let her do what she's got to do. I believe in the process. Good for her. Uh, I don't think she's going to win. And and she's shown her true colors here, right? I think she's really shown that she's not very conservative. She's very country club. If, if anything, she's uh, more establishment than anything. Very rhino-ish, if you will. Uh, definitely the Swamps candidate. They seem to have her back 100%. And, and that's exactly the problem, I think, that we're standing up against. All right? You tell me Hillary Clinton. You tell me George Bush. And I helped elect George Bush. But guess what? Um, hindsight's twenty twenty. You look at a guy like George Bush today and you say, you know what? Some things were okay, but the majority of them were just going along to get along. And that's the problem. The swamp persisted. And that's, that seems to be, for me, that is a problem. You need somebody who's going to go in there like a bull in a china shop and try to destroy the swamp, drain the swamp, and do what has to be done. Jim in Pittsburgh, thank you for your call. And before we run out of time in this segment and go on to our guest, I want to make sure I, I bring your attention to something that's very funny. Now, for years, and Sony went to jail for this, so I'm making an admission here. Hopefully one of the U.S. attorneys don't come and get me. But I, I'll tell you this. I, for years, no matter what election it was, I would always say, uh, people would ask me, you know, I've always been involved in, in observing politics, and people would ask me, oh, what do you think about the, I go, oh, listen, listen, are you Democrat or Republican? And whenever they told me they were a Democrat, I go, oh, yeah, listen, listen. Uh, election day for, is uh, Tuesday for Republicans, and it's Wednesday for Democrats. <laughs> and I said this tongue-in-cheek joking uh, for years. Apparently, in, uh, during the Trump election, somebody said that, made a meme about it, and they tried to put this guy in jail. They did put this guy in jail. Crazy, right? Uh, anyway, somebody tried to pull a fast one doing something similar with a robocall. You know, those annoying calls you get on election day to say, hey, get out and vote. Well, this one, imagine getting a call that starts with this. What a bunch of malarkey. 
Yep, yep. You know, uh, our president, Joe Biden's famous for saying that. And this was a fake AI generated call, an artificial intelligence robotic machine that sounds like Joe Biden making a call to people's houses. And this fake phony fraud call uh, came to people's homes saying that they should not go and vote tomorrow. Listen to this. We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect (laughs) Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. If you would like to be removed from future calls, please press 2 now. What president says, please press two now? I mean, you got to love it. Uh, it does sound like Joe. sounds like he's asleep and everything. Uh, and this was the uh, robocall that went out to everybody. And you heard again, that was a fake, phony fraud call. The New Hampshire Attorney General's office says it's investigating what appears to be an unlawful attempt at voter suppression. Apparently, that's not free speech. After NBC News reported on this robocall impersonating President Joe Biden that told recipients not to vote in tomorrow, Tuesday's primary uh, election for president of the United States. <laughs> Interesting. Now, uh, although the voice uh, in the robocall sounds like the voice of President Biden, the message appears to be artificially generated based on initial indications, according to the attorney general's office, uh, saying this, quote, These messages appear to be an unlawful attempt to disrupt the New Hampshire presidential primary election and to suppress New Hampshire voters. New Hampshire voters should disregard the content of this message entirely. Now, you know, what's funny. You know what I think is an attempt, uh, an unlawful attempt to disrupt the uh, presidential election. I think each one of these four indictments and these 91 uh, felony counts I think the American people should disregard those. Hold on a second. Newsflash. I think they have. right? And I think that's why Trump is doing so well in the polls and doing so well in the last caucus. And we'll see how good he does tomorrow. If uh, my my theory holds true that people really liked Trump, you know, irrespective of the bakery owner, uh, not far from where I live, who was very upset with me because I said, look, you know, we made more money. Things are better in this country. No new wars. And she was very offended. She said, that's the problem. It's very sad. All you're focused on is your bottom line. I told her, I I did better. My kids did better. Anyway, she was very upset with me. The music means I got to go, but we're coming right back. We're going to continue our analysis. We're scheduled to have uh, our buddy Matt Boyle from Breitbart News join us to give us some insight into what's going on in uh, A, with DeSantis stepping out, and B, with the primary tomorrow. I want to get his take on that. Plus, we'll continue with your calls in the third hour and lots to discuss in between. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen.
Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back, amigos, familia. I want to get into what we can expect in the aftermath of DeSantis dropping out. Honestly, I didn't see it happening so quickly. Uh, but as you heard, DeSantis made his announcement that if he could have made more campaign stops and if he could have done more interviews, then he would have. But he didn't see a path to victory. So DeSantis is out. Nikki Haley is double down saying this is a two man race. She'd been saying that even since he came in second in the last one, which is pretty funny. And uh, I want to get to the bottom of that with Matt Boyle. He's the Breitbart News Washington Bureau Chief. He's the host of Breitbart News Saturday on Sirius XM Patriot uh, Channel 125. And he's with us now. Matt Boyle, welcome, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. You bet. So uh, let's um, get your take on uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, I think this was in his political best interest. I think there's a lot of people like me that want to like Ron DeSantis, but were like uh, solidly behind Trump and likely were not going to be swayed. And we're thinking, come on, guy, you know, get behind Trump, go with the winner. And and I think there's a lot of people that felt the same way about Ramaswamy and about some others. We've seen Tim Scott uh, step up and uh, endorse Donald Trump. We've seen uh, Ramaswamy endorse uh, Donald Trump. And now we've seen Ron DeSantis uh, do the same. Uh, do you think Haley, after getting a spanking, and again, I'm just predicting, this is just conjecture, do you think Haley gets spanked in this next uh, primary and she uh, does the same, or does she double down and, and hold out for the, the other contests, uh, South Carolina Super Tuesday as well? Well, yeah, that's the big question, right? Like, so, look, I think it all depends on, it, it's very similar type of a scenario where we were going into the Iowa caucuses. The big question going into the Iowa caucuses was obviously, what was the margin going to be? Everybody knew Trump was going to win going into uh, last Monday. Uh, now going into tomorrow in the New Hampshire primary, I think everybody knows Trump's going to win. The question is, is by how much and what is his number uh, and what is the margin of, of him over Nikki Haley, right? Like, so are the polls that show Haley within single digits behind Trump, right? Or is Trump up by 20 or 30 points or is it somewhere in the middle? I think if it's a double-digit Trump victory, uh, it, it's going to be very hard for Nikki Haley to continue her campaign. And I think we're headed for that. So we'll see as as it plays out. Like, I don't like to make too bold of predictions uh, this close to an election. But that being said, I think Trump is very comfortably ahead. I've seen some polls that have him north of 60 percent in New Hampshire. Uh, I've seen plenty of polls that have him. Uh, I don't think there's a single poll that's come out in recent weeks that has him uh, under 50. Right. So he's got majority support in New Hampshire. If he can finish double digits ahead of Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley is going to have a really tough time justifying continuing her campaign. I could see Nikki Haley dropping out tomorrow night. Uh, it's a very real possibility if she doesn't have a great night um, and doesn't get within single digits behind Trump. Um, if, uh, uh, if it's, uh, if it's, you know, double digits, 10, 11, 12 points, something like that. She might try to stick it out a few more days and kind of do what DeSantis did where he like, you know, assess things for a few days and wait until the weekend. And then he decided, uh, I agree with you. I think it was the right move for him. Um, I, I've been a fan of his as governor. Sure. I, I think he's been a terrible candidate for president. Sure. So, 
Um, <laughs> you know, so like maybe the, and one could hope, I mean, I guess that, uh, you know, anything's possible with Trump world. And so hopefully the two of them can figure out a pathway forward together and they can, you know, chart the future of this movement. Well, look, we're going to need all hands on deck. We're headed into the fight of our lives here in this, in this general election. Of course, the Democrats are going to do everything they did in 2020 times a hundred, right? Cause they know it works. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, 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 I mean, they, they haven't even started trotting out the celebrities yet, right? Like Taylor Swift's a little busy, uh, at, at the, the, the chiefs games, right? Like during the playoffs. But as soon as that's over, uh, and the general election begins, they're going to bring out every single, uh, you know, celebrity from Hollywood. Uh, they're going to bring out all the big guns in terms of all the money, et cetera. Uh, we're going to be outgunned, outnumbered. Uh, but the question is, is can we beat the left? And we've shown we can do it. We did it in 2016. Can we do it again in 2024? And I think we can. Uh, but the sooner that that uh, begins for the Republicans, and if Nikki Haley does drop out of the race, tomorrow night uh, after she loses the uh, uh, New Hampshire primary, uh, then that would clear that Donald Trump would by def- by default, become the presumptive nominee for president again for the third straight election. Uh, the, becoming the presumptive nominee this early in the contest uh, is a very big advantage for Donald Trump. Joe Biden isn't even the the presumptive nominee for the Democrats at this point, right? Like he still has two primary challengers out there, Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson. So if Donald Trump's able to dispatch with uh, Nikki Haley and end this thing in New Hampshire on Tuesday evening, then that is a big advantage for him. That means, uh, look, the most precious commodity in politics is time. You can, you can always get more money. You can always get more volunteers. You can always get more uh, staffers. You can always get more airplanes and television ads and all sorts of stuff. You can never get time back once it's gone. The only thing that goes away that you can never replace. Uh, And finishing a month and a half before Super Tuesday and locking it up. Look, I don't think anybody doubts that Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee, but finishing it this early, being able to shift all energy to the general election uh, is a massive advantage for Trump heading into uh, arguably the biggest rematch in world history, right? We've never seen anything like this before where two presidents have faced off against each other. And uh, this is going to be the biggest rematch in the history of world politics. Never seen anything like this in the history of the planet, all of humanity. Uh, And uh, being able to focus on the general election is going to be a big thing for Trump. He's going to be able to start competing uh, across the battleground states immediately. You know, Matt Boyle from Breitbart News, I want to ask you, because I think it's interesting. Um, you, you mentioned we, we've never seen anything like this, and I agree with you. I think this is a, a phenomenal time to observe politics because history is in the making, right? You've got a sitting president going against uh, the, the president emeritus. It's just never happened. And fantastic that it's happening. However, there's a whole lot of speculation out there from a lot of people who, um, you know, either like to write clickbait or just really hope this will happen, saying that Michelle Obama will enter the race uh, or that um, Gavin Newsom will enter the race. What are your thoughts on uh, Joe Biden saying, I'm out and somebody stepping in in his place? Well, look, it's too late for someone to run against him. like the traditional way for the Democrat nomination for president, the filing deadlines have passed in enough places that they're not going to be able to do that. So the only way that they can do to can, can run someone against him uh, uh, would be, it would have to be Dean Phillips or Marianne Williamson, which they're not going to do, or they would have to do 
the Democrats would have to do a switcheroo at the convention. And that's going to get real messy. In fact, I talked with President Trump about this. I spent uh, more than two hours with him at Mar-a-Lago at the end of December. We did a big, long interview. And this was one of the things that we uh, we talked about is that he was he thinks that. And and again, to be clear, I don't Mm -hmm. think he's actually making this as like a prediction set in stone. And like if it doesn't happen and it is Joe Biden that he was wrong. No, he does this to weaken his candidates, because I remember doing a similar interview with uh, his opponents. Uh, 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 I remember doing a similar interview with him back in 2015 uh, when he was the Republican frontrunner for president back then, where he predicted Hillary wouldn't be the nominee and it would be Biden. But he was predicting that the Democrats will have a really messy convention, that they'll first try Kamala, that will fail. And then they'll uh, they'll move on to somebody else. And he doesn't know who it would be. Right. Now, Trump things weren't really that, off, right? Yeah, the, I, I, it, it's hard to see Michelle Obama coming out of nowhere. I agree. She has a great life. Uh, the, uh, she makes know, a lot of money. Netflix. Yeah, exactly. She, I think she's running Netflix or something, right? Like they're having a ball on Martha's Vineyard with their private chef. And, you know, yeah. why would the why would they come out of that uh, to do that? It, just to have the possibility of I don't think she does that unless she thinks or is convinced that she's going to win. Right. Like Michelle Obama is mm-hmm. not going to take any risks at all. So uh, it, it's easier to see them maybe try to throw it to Kamala at the convention, especially if there's a major health issue with Biden or if the polls continue to get worse. And the other thing to watch is what is the effect that Biden has? You know, like right now, Trump is leading the general election polling across the battleground states and nationally. So does Biden drag down Democrat candidates, down tickets, Senate candidates, House candidates, et cetera? And if he if they start to think that, you know, sticking with Biden is going to lead to some nuclear Armageddon for the Democrats, uh, you know, in the down ticket races, that's when you could see them, you know, do the switcheroo and maybe switch to Kamala or something at the convention in the hopes that she would have coattails down ticket, even though they'd be taking a dive at the presidential level. Folks, Matt Boyle is the Breitbart News Washington Bureau Chief. He's the host of Breitbart News Saturday. Check it out on Sirius XM Patriot, Channel 125. He's coming back with us. We're going to continue our discussion on Nikki Haley and the upcoming primary tomorrow. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Amigos, welcome back, familia. We are on with Matt Boyle, Breitbart News, Washington Bureau Chief. And uh, I want to play a clip of Asa Hutchinson. Now, Asa Hutchinson, uh, governor, former governor of Arkansas, he was um, uh, speaking. Let me see. When was he speaking? Uh, looks like yesterday or over the weekend. And uh, he he was talking to CNN today, actually. Excuse me. And he was uh, saying that he's supporting Nikki Haley because Trump will drive the Republican Party off of a cliff. Listen to this. And so, uh, you know, he uh, looks at uh, the race today. Uh, he tries to drive everyone out, which is his right. 
but I'm honored today to say I'm supporting Nikki Haley for president of the United States. And, uh, and I think that Donald Trump is a candidate that's going to drive the GOP off the cliff. I'm proud of Nikki Haley for raising uh, the issue as to the weaknesses of his uh, candidacy and the risk that he poses to our country and party. So uh, I, I think this is going to be a good fight. I'm pulling for Nikki uh, in New Hampshire. All right. So, Matt Boyle, I want to ask you, because when Asa Hutchinson, you know, uh, definitely, in my opinion, not a, uh, a staple in the conservative movement, uh, not a, a Tea Party hero. And when he says that Donald Trump drives the Republican Party off a cliff, I tend to think that this party already went off a cliff when we elected Trump and not because we elected Trump, but because there was nothing left uh, of a power structure for that uh, establishment. Um, Chris Christie. Nikki Haley uh, type of party, and it, it leaned more conservative. That's my take on it. What's yours? Yeah, look, I'm literally laughing as you play that clip, Rich, because Asa Hutchinson has <laughs> no too. constituency, right? Like, I mean, the guy who's nobody's ever right. heard Asa of, who? this Ryan yeah. Binkley guy, actually did better than him in the Iowa caucus as a play dropout after Iowa. He was trying to stick <laughs> in the race and was like off chance hope that Donald Trump would be convicted by Jack Smith or something in, in, in the spring and that there would be some great resurgence for the Asa Hutchinson movement, but there is no Asa Hutchinson movement. There is no constituency for this guy. So, uh, look, I, I mean, Nikki Haley is, is they're not going to benefit at all from that guy endorsing her. I don't think she gets any votes out of it. I don't think it moves the needle at all. I do think that Tim Scott's endorsement of Trump it helps him significantly. No, I think it helps Trump significantly. Like, I think that Ron DeSantis' endorsement yeah. of Trump. No, I mean, do you Trump think the Hutchinson endorsement do you think it hurts? Uh, I don't Haley, think it really hurts or helps at all. I think he's just irrelevant. Right, nobody knows. <laughs> like, so, like, nobody cares right. who this guy is, right? Like, nobody's ever heard of him, right? Like, and, uh, you know, I, I've seen all these stories. I remember seeing this story of him, like, on the campaign trail. I think Politico went with him when he was, like, trying to convince people. He was, like, chasing people down as they're trying to eat their breakfast in the diner. <laughs> and, like, like you know, <laughs> they're trying the to starve down yeah. bacon and eggs. And, like, he's trying to convince so that he's the right candidate they're like okay well you're a nice guy at all but like we're not interested what's your they're name like again yeah, yeah like who are you right like so like and he's such a joke right like so but look i i mean christy had christy if christy endorsed Haley, it might have helped her right like he actually had he was getting some momentum there uh and i was kind of shocked when christy dropped out i mean the the, the anti-trump uh, establishment uh, on the GOP establishment side uh, desperately was trying to push Christie out of the race. And that might've been a mistake. I think Christie might've been a better person for them to have a last second shot at Trump with than than Haley, right? Like, and Christie was caught on that hot mic saying, uh, you know, she's going to get smoked. And I think Christie's going to be proven right tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you know, Christie was in double digits in New Hampshire when he dropped out of the race. He was, he was moving up too. And frankly, uh, uh, it was kind of a mistake, I think, of the establishment to push him out of the race. Once, look, once they pushed Christie out of the race, I, th I the way I looked at it was they're no longer trying to stop Trump. Now the the, right. the effort is on to the, they don't want to stop Trump anymore. They are okay. they know that Trump's going to win the nomination eventually. The question is, is what can they extract out of him? The donor class establishment. Right. Let's make a deal. 
yeah, they want to get as much as they can out of him as, uh, on the way there. Uh, their their uh, coup de grace would be if they get Haley as VP. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but the, what they want to do is they want to get concessions out of Trump on the way there, the donor class establishment. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that part. And I also agree with your point. Um, forgive me for talking over you, but I, I was uh, really interested in knowing if you thought that Asa Hutchinson would, would hurt, help or hurt. But the uh, Tim Scott endorsement, I do agree with you. Uh, I think he's got a little bit of gravitas there. And the fact that he's uh, coming from the South as well, um, going for Trump as opposed to Haley, I think uh, definitely helps him and, and hurts her. Yeah, no doubt. Sure. I, I think that uh, I think that Trump has all the momentum going into tomorrow. And look, you see it in the tracking polls, right? Like Trump goes up a few points. She goes down a few points every day. Uh, we've been seeing that since Iowa. Uh, the, the, that's why DeSantis uh, made the calculation that he knows he's, he's not going to turn this thing around. And I think that uh, most likely we're going to see Haley make a similar calculation, whether that's tomorrow night or later this week. Uh, I, I think after tomorrow night's results are in, uh, it would be very wise for her to make a similar calculation. And then we can move on with the business of the general election, because, again, we have the biggest fight of our lives ahead of us uh, in the uh, over the course of the rest of this year. We all have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Folks, Matt Boyle is the Washington Bureau Chief for Breitbart News. Matt Boyle, let everybody know how they could keep up to speed with all the work that you're doing. Yeah, so you can just go to Breitbart.com or follow me on True Social at Real Matt Boyle. Outstanding. Well, sir, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot, and I appreciate you staying up late to chat with us. You bet. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Anybody can look at my record and see when Walter Scott was shot down by a dirty cop, how I made sure that the Walter Scott family didn't suffer because we put the first body camera bill in the country in place. Anybody can look at the fact that when we had nine amazing souls die in Mother Emanuel Church, I did something that no Republican or Democrat ever wanted to touch which was call for the Confederate flag to come down because it would take two thirds of the House and Senate and was an impossible feat. I don't know what you're implying with that, but what I will tell you is saying that I had black friends is a source of pride. Saying that I had white friends is a source of pride. If you want to know what it was like growing up, I was disqualified from a beauty pageant because I wasn't white or black because they didn't know where to put me. So look, I know the hardships, the pain that come with racism. It's the reason that I fight bullies every day when it comes to racism, anti-Semitism, or hate, and I always will. If I didn't mention slavery on that day, it's because that's an automatic. There's always been, the Civil War's always been known about slavery. Now, Nikki Haley said that yesterday on NBC News, saying that growing up, she was teased every day for being brown. 
I say to that, it's an amazing speech, but more of a general election speech, right? What was the point? Do you think you were going to get Republican voters with that speech? I don't know what the goal here is, but uh, it, it didn't convince me much. And hey, by the way, I'm brown, and I don't mind talking about my brownness. Uh, but I'm not running for president, right? I'm on the radio and you can't see me half the time. That's why I'm talking about it. Why are you talking about it, Nikki Haley? Hmm. Don't go anywhere. Coming right back to Rich Valdez. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, happy to be here with you this Monday night. If you want to join uh, the late-night town hall conversation that we're having, feel free. The number is 833-482-5337, valdez And, of course, we had some conversation in the last hour about the uh, upcoming primary election tomorrow where uh, not only did they have a fake robocall with uh, Joe Biden's uh, AI voice, uh, but we've had several endorsements of former President Trump and Nikki Haley's still in the race. We're going to see how she fares after tomorrow. Uh, But there's more to discuss, right? There's a lot more to discuss and we're going to get to that as well. There's a couple of things on the medical front that I want to discuss tonight as well. Uh, with Dr. Mark Siegel. He's professor of medicine at NYU Langone. And he you've seen him on television um, and on radio and all over the place as a medical analyst. He's fantastic. And what I'm hearing is uh, from different articles that I've seen, there's a lot of things, right? There's uh, a, a lot of things I want to talk about that I feel a lot of people deal with. And they range from the World Health Organization calling for a ban, a ban on flavored uh, vaping devices to edibles like weed edibles, THC edibles, um, sending kids to the emergency room and these numbers skyrocketing. But what I want to start with is an article I saw in the New York Post that really caught my eye. And headline is that most Americans' diets are leaving them feeling tired. And I, I've got to say, I try to watch what I eat. I've uh, I've lost uh, a bunch, pretty much a bunch of weight. I was 269 pounds. I got down to 199 pounds. I think today I'm about 210, um, and that's up from like 201, 202 at the beginning of December. So I've gained some holiday weight, but I'll I'll you know I'll burn it off. I've been to the gym a few times, and I try to go a few times a week. And I also relatively keep a pretty low carb diet so that I don't add on any more uh, any weight, uh, but sometimes your diet will get the better of you. And I wanted to uh, get with Dr. Mark Siegel on this because, I mean, he's terrific, obviously. You know, he's kind of like uh, that doctor with the best bedside manner ever, has all the answers when you go to him, and he's just so reassuring. Dr. Mark Siegel, welcome back. Great to be with you, Rich. And by the way, 
even though the famed Dr. Atkins died with clogged coronary arteries, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure that that was due to his famed diet, but it's right. enough of a wake-up call, and that was years ago, <clears throat> to anticipate your question and to say, you know, meat has a lot of protein in it, uh, meat has a lot of fat in it, but it's, un- but it's saturated fats. And I think what we're looking for is two things, unsaturated fats and not a lot of carbohydrates. And so when you say you have not a diet that's low in carbohydrates, I'm happy because I think it's carbohydrates that make people sleepy. The brain it starts to crave carbohydrates when you eat them. It's almost like an addiction. It's, it's related to the opioid addiction, actually. And eating mm. sugar can make your brain sleepy. So that's, you know, that's not the best idea. Now, there's, there's healthier foods that make you sleepy that you can use if you're not sleeping well at night. Sour cherry juice works. Bananas work. Magnesium works if your doctor agrees that you can take it, by the way, that you've got to run by your doc. So there well, you are know, doc, to make Now that you say that, my doc told me to take uh, magnesium. Uh, he said, take 500 milligrams of magnesium before you go to sleep about uh, six months ago. And let me tell you, I felt the difference. Works well. Well, magnesium works well for the brain. It also uh, stabilizes cell membranes. It, it definitely makes you sleepier. But your doctor should be checking your magnesium level before. And he may have done that. He may very well have done that. Could be part yeah. of routine blood screening. You don't want to do that with anyone with kidney disease, by the way. So you have to really make sure. But overall, magnesium does help a lot. And melatonin helps. But a lot of the foods that I just mentioned have either have melatonin in them or they have tryptophan in them, which is an amino acid that the body converts to melatonin. Melatonin calms down the brain. But that's not what you're talking about when you say people are sleepy during the day. They're sleepy because they're eating too many carbohydrates and they're not exercising enough. Right. And, and that's according to a, a poll here uh, that says 93% of Americans feel the physical impact of what they're eating and they feel tired. This poll of 2000 adults said uh, that they found many of them feeling tired, 54%, frustrated, 22%, or even sad, 17% by the time their day was over. And uh, many of them are crediting these feelings to their diet. Overall, 20% of them said that the uh, diets were very healthy, while 16% of them said, uh, admittedly, they don't really have a good diet. And close to 20% of the folks that were polled uh, said they even felt like their diet failed to meet all of their nutritional needs. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people. Um, I, I ate like garbage for many, many years until um, I had a, a wake-up call with my doc, and he said, hey, listen, you're on track for a massive heart attack or stroke by the time you're 50 if you don't get it in gear. And, and that woke me up. But I think for that most surely people, woke you up. But yeah, you, for but sure. You know, uh, but, you know, um, be careful about questionnaire studies because, People answer that, but they didn't necessarily get asked the following question. Do you sleep well at night? I think sleep is, uh, the, is the place yeah. where it starts. People get up during the night. They're anxious. They're worried. They got to go to the bathroom. and They don't get a, a full solid night's sleep. They got their iPhone next to their bed. Uh, the, you know, their lights are on where they shouldn't be on. Uh, maybe they, I, I find exercising before bed helps. Now, a lot of people think exercising first thing in the morning helps, but one thing's for sure, one of those two things works. So you, if you if you got enough time in the morning, do your exercise in the morning. If you don't, do it in the evening. And I don't find, I think it's a myth that it keeps you awake. I think it, it kind of resets your body, calms it down, gets the stress out, increases your serotonin levels, and then you you know you can go to sleep. But I think it starts with sleep, 
And then you got to add in a sprinkling of exercise. You know, everybody has to do at least a half hour a day of what something they like to do and also engineer it so it works for you. For me, I'm a cyclist and I'm a mountain biker. Most people that follow me know that I ride mountain bikes with President Bush. I love mountain biking in the, on the trails, but I also have a Peloton. I also have a, a stationary bike at, at my house. And you know what I do? I watch a streaming show. I watch a movie. I watch nice. something that I look forward to do when I'm on that bike. And so then it isn't arduous. I have scenery in the background. Something to fool yourself into the idea that you're doing something different and do it every day. If you say you're going to exercise three days a week, it ends up being one day a week. If you say you're going to exercise seven days a week, it ends up being five or six days. Yeah, that's, that's what true. you want, part of your cycle. Yeah, 100% true, Dr. Mark Siegel. And uh, I want to continue our conversation straight ahead, but I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head that uh, sleep is incredibly important. And uh, I learned that for myself working late night. I work from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. every day. And as we speak, I've got a, a cup of Bustelo coffee. This is espresso Spanish coffee, strong stuff. So I don't fall asleep at 1.30. takes me till about 2.30, 3 a.m. to fall asleep on a good day. And I've realized I, I can't uh, stick with my schedule of waking up 6, 7, 8 in the morning. I've got to sleep a little bit more in order to function. And something I learned, that's how I learned about um, magnesium and, and mixing that with melatonin. But uh, something else I've learned about, and you tell me what your thoughts are on this, are uh, ashwagandha root. That also, I find, helps me to sleep. Uh, should I be concerned, or is that a good thing? Well, I don't like microdosing. I'm a little bit worried about that in terms of its uh, impact you know, on the brain, but, but it, it definitely can help. So I'm not against herbs in, at all, but that's, again, something that you, that you want to run by your doctor. What yeah. are the long-term effects on that? Does it fit you? Now, the other thing that works is listening to the calm, soothing, spiritual tones of Rich Valdez at night. <laughs> and then, you know, you drift off in, 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 with a smile on your face. That is true. Folks, keep it locked right here. We're going to continue with these uh, soft, melodic undertones as we have our discussion on the biggest medical headlines uh, in America this evening with Dr. Mark Siegel. You know him from Fox News as one of their uh, senior medical analysts as well as uh, countless other um, media outlets. He's uh, like America's doctor in so many ways. And uh, we're going to continue our discussion with him as we move forward. The phone number 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America. Welcome back. Amigos, familia. We're back with Dr. Mark Siegel. You know him from Fox News. You've seen him on television. You've heard him on the radio. He's been on this show before. He's fantastic. And uh, one of my favorite doctors for sure, professor of medicine at NYU Langone. And um, Mimi is a first time caller to the program. She's calling from Akron, Ohio on WNIR. And she has a question for Dr. Mark Siegel. Mimi, go right ahead. You're on with Dr. Mark Siegel. Hi, Dr. Mark. Minnie, how are you? I was just, um, I'm sorry. I was, um, 
Oh, what a shame. I think we've lost Mimi. But her question was uh, regarding uh, too many ingredients, artificial ingredients in our food, like red dye number 40 and other things like that. What, what are your thoughts on that, Dr. Mark? Are we making, is it much to do about nothing or should we be eating cleaner? It's really, really important, Rich. And, and I actually, by the way, gave ashwagandha too short shift in the last segment. You know, that's actually very natural and it does calm anxiety and helps people to focus. I think my point there was that you, you should check with your doctor. But the sure. flip side of this whole thing, the flip side of this whole thing is all the unnatural ingredients we have in our foods. That's especially true in America. You know, I've been to Europe a lot lately and you could actually eat pasta in Europe and you don't gain weight. But over here, you eat pasta, you gain weight immediately. And I think it's because of all the additives and all the preservatives. And mm. I think they're very, very unhealthy. A recent study shows they end up in your cells. Now, wow. a lot of that can clearly increase your risk of cancer. I don't know if the micro amounts you're seeing of plastics and other additives actually do that, but it's something we really have to be careful about. I'm a farm-to-table person, at least in concept, you know, and I, I really believe strongly in that. Yeah, listen, me too, if I could find a farm close enough, right? I think that's right. uh, the issue for most well, people. But, and that doesn't mean you, you know, you're, that, you got, that what you get out of the ground wasn't coated with pesticides either. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, you, you know where, where is it grown? But I think, I think we have to push this society back in that direction of natural vegetables. I'm a, I believe in the Mediterranean diet, by the way. I didn't quite get to that before. But I yeah. like nuts. I like, I like nuts, vegetables, fruits. I like fish a lot. I, I don't like a lot of carbohydrates and I don't like processed foods. And that's where the weight is coming from. And it's unhealthy. You know, a couple of months back, I remember I went for my um, every three months visit or whatever with my doctor. And uh, they told me, hey, look, your um, triglycerides are high. This is high. That's high. Um, you, you know, you got to you got to start. Are you walking every day? And I was like, no, I'm not walking. They're like, well, go to the gym and, and stop eating so much red meat. So I, I, I took them seriously on that, and I stopped eating red meat totally, like no meat, no pork, uh, just chicken and fish, and, um, and, and started doing a little bit more in the gym. And everything went down, and they were like, man, you're doing fantastic. So I was like, all right, cool, I can go back to eating red meat. I went back, and they're like, hey, it's all up again. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> so, so it's like you, you can't OD on the red meat, what I'm learning. Well, and, 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 and you're right, though, is what I'm saying. It's all about what you eat. And it's also not just the bad part about the meat. It's also the good part about the alternatives. You know, vegetables have so much fiber. Fiber helps your digestion. Probiotics give you the good bacteria. There's actually a study out recently that probiotics decreases your risk of COVID or severe COVID. That's actually a really legitimate study. We didn't hear that throughout the entire pandemic. But that fiber plus probiotics, vegetables, nuts, all all unsaturated fats, much healthier for you. So tell me about the Mediterranean diet. You're not the first person to tell me that they uh, think it's a very solid diet. Uh, I know it has to do with, uh, it's kind of like a, 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 it deals with meat, but it's a, a leaner type of meat. Is that how it works? No, it's fish. I mean, it's mainly fish. You know, mm-hmm. po- the problem with poultry, poultry is better than red meat, but the problem with poultry, is it has a lot of salt in it. And by the way, listeners out there, a glass of red wine is actually not included. That's actually optional. So, uh-huh. you know, the other thing that, that's come out lately is really no alcohol is good. But, you know, you, if you have a glass of wine with your, with your meal, you know, a couple of glasses of wine a week is actually pr- pretty, pretty healthy. 
But we, we ended up on a myth on that for years that somehow because of the circulatory advantages of wine, that it was a dilator, that that somehow offset the idea that it was actually, you know, an area and a poison that your body has to get rid of. No amount of alcohol is good for you. Um, but again, here's the other thing, Rich, and this is what we're doing on the show tonight. If it relaxes you, it's good for you, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Doc, here's an interesting thing. My doctor, uh, I remember um, he, he told me, he said, look, your blood pressure is is borderline. But, you know, when you go to the gym and you start exercising regularly, it should come down and you want it to be a little bit lower. It's like right at the, the place it should be. And we started talking about what you were talking about, about he said, you know, there's a study that just came out about uh, Italians. It was out of Italy. And he said the Italians, despite eating all the pasta, they um, they seem to have lower blood pressure. And he said this particular study um, focused on the fact that they drink wine with every meal. And, he, you know, he said, so, you know, if you want to try that, you can. And he said, just, you know, drink a glass of wine a day and see what happens. So I did. And I didn't normally drink wine every day. Uh, I started doing that. And I did it for about four or five months. And um, and um, it, it worked. Uh, my blood pressure did go down. And I don't know if it was because of the actual wine or because, you know, I had the buzz of a glass of wine every day, <laughs> one or the other. But it did seem to work. What are your thoughts on that? I do think that it lowers blood pressure and it, and it was also decreasing stress. And I, yeah. and I think that we, we also, by the way, here's a couple of studies that'll blow you away. Did you know that hugging for 15 minutes, they, they studied 75 women and found out that it led to a lower blood pressure. I wow. think that, I think that this society is so full. This is a very big political point I'm making now. We're so full of anger and division and hatred. And I'm going to leave the country of this person as elected president. You know, I'm going to leave the country if that person's elected president. All of that division and hatred is very bad for your health. What works is understanding each other, discussion, you know, in, instead of divisiveness, kindness, compassion. Those emotions are strong, too. Courage. They go through the same centers of the brain that fear and loathing do. I wrote a book on that, and I feel very strongly that that's what we need right now. Doc, let everybody know how they could keep up to speed with all the great work you're doing and how they could um, learn more about everything that you do. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Mark Siegel, D-R-M-A-R-C-S-I-E-G-E-L. My website, drsiegel.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, Siegel, S-I-E-G-E-L.com. You could see me anywhere. Just Google me. I'm on Fox all the time. I'm writing for a lot of different publications. I'm a member of the Board of Contributors USA Today. I write for New York Post, Wall Street Journal the hill. And, and, uh, I try to get my word out, but I, I try to follow a thought from beginning to end, as you do rich. And, and again, I'm not there to scare anyone. I don't have a political agenda. I interview people on the left, on the right, in the middle. I, I try to look for a commonality. We all share, we're all human and, and we're all looking for good health. By the way, one last thing, yeah. health span is more important than lifespan. Health span, stay healthy longer. Outstanding. Folks, check out Dr. Siegel, the book he mentioned, the COVID book, The Politics of Fear. You can get that on Amazon or wherever you get books. Dr. Mark Siegel, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot, and I thank you for staying up late with us. Great to be on with you, Rich. Great show. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. All right, folks, we're coming back with your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rick. 
Valdez. All right, America, welcome back, amigos. Now, familia, I want to talk to you about something psychological. I know there's political stories. We're going to talk about those for the next hour, and we talked about them in the first hour. But I want to talk about stuff that I think is important to so many everyday people. And there is a article, an article, excuse me, in the uh, Psy Post, uh, Psychology Post. And listen to this. It's called Psychology of Music. Most popular songs portray insecure romantic attachment. This is according to a study. Uh, now, a, a similar study uh, finds that only 8% of popular love songs are about healthy relationships. And I found this interesting because I don't know a ton about psychology. You know, I took like one course of that in my college career. But outside of that, um, I don't know much about it. But recently, I've been reading up on a lot of psychological stuff. And I came across attachment theory and started learning what it was and finding out that what so many uh, people uh, kind of trivialize as girls that like the bad boy type or women that are clingy or men that are clingy or whatever, whoever it is that is clingy are actually attachment styles, right? And uh, they're insecure attachment styles, whether they be anxious attachment style or uh, avoidant attachment styles where people are either very uh, clingy and they need the other person to kind of subsist uh, favorably or they uh, need a lot of independence, a lot of time to themselves. And all this stuff stems back to childhood. And I was reading this whole theory that um, uh, Carl Jung, the um, um, famous psychologist, uh, wrote about. And I thought it was very interesting. Um, I think I write off too much of psychology. And it, it plays such an interesting role, even in the cross-section of politics, um, it, you know, despite it, it, it's um, typically being spoken about with relationships, family dynamics, and things like that. So I wanted to um, bring in a guest that could talk about this because if most of these songs are from uh, the perspective of insecure romantic attachment, then uh, it probably explains why so many people uh, are reacting to them the way they do. And our guest is Tony Berquist, professional matchmaker and dating expert, uh, check out the website at OurExclusiveAgency.com. Tony Berquist, welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Now, uh, this this um, story here, Bad Romance, 8% of popular love songs are about healthy relationships. How do you react to this? I'm not surprised. I, I It's not like it was 50, 60 years ago. Um, and I also think the progression of music, because music is very powerful. Right. Um, we actually use music for healing, like for 432 hertz. And there's different music, vib like vibrations and music and sound that is used for healing. So it's almost like the exact opposite. So you combine music with lyrics that are really painting a negative kind of sad picture and what do you have, you know, in your subconscious mind as you're, you know, singing along to these songs, you know, not really understanding the lyrics, it's becoming ingrained in your mind that this is normal. Um, but I also think that society, um, films, you know, any, anything that has, you know, a, a way for people to movies, TV shows, uh, reality shows, um, have portrayed um, an unhealthy relationship style. Um, so I'm not surprised. 
You know, also look sure. at um, the, the recent years of the entertainment business. Um, uh, what, what you had Sam Smith at the Grammys last year dressed up as Satan. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. So, I totally remember that. And, you know, it's, every yeah. year I feel like there's an artist somewhere that's doing the whole Satan thing or, the, you know, something uh, reminiscent of, of some sort of wicked type of seance. Uh, but I think you, you, you underscored a, a really important point here which is people are internalizing these lyrics. And uh, again, this is very new to me, which is, I think is why I'm so interested in it. But um, this study published by Psychology of Music uh, shows that more than 86% of these popular songs about relationships are talking about insecure styles of attachment, whether it's uh, the ones I mentioned before, avoidant or anxious or fearful attachment. And I didn't even know what those were until about two months ago because I just happened to be reading about that. And... Um, the findings highlight the uh, potential for, for people to rely on these lyrics to actually shape them. Even worse, it shapes adolescents and their perspectives. And I'm wondering, is this something that you come across? Um, is attachment styles something that you deal with on a regular basis in your matchmaking business? Or is it something that's an afterthought, like it was for me? No, I've been... Well, I started as a matchmaker about 12 years ago and I used to listen to people give advice just randomly. And I would just be like, no, please stop, like <laughs> stop giving advice because people are giving advice at the level of which they, they understand. So your perception is, is your understanding of love. And if you don't have a healthy relationship or, or healthy role models or that's your, your, I mean, I was constantly stunned. And so I went searching and searching to find experts that I could help people with because yes, I coach and I'm like play a therapist all the time. And I wanted to be able to give advice from the level of real research. And I found Dr. John Gottman and that just changed the game in terms of what a healthy relationship can be very simply. And so when I would get, because I, I do work with the younger clientele, I would always have them buy his book. And it just because I didn't want to see these people get married and get divorced. Of course. Um, when you talk about music and films and everything that society is throwing at us, if you're not discerning, it becomes a subconscious belief. So, um, and I'm, I'm very discerning, especially the past years. So when I listen to, to li sometimes so I can't even listen to songs because the vibration is overwhelming to me, but I do listen to lyrics and I'm oftentimes like, this is not healthy. <laughs> um, so how do you advise them? What do you tell somebody that's, you know, saying, Oh, I'm going through a breakup or oh, I aspire to have a relationship. And uh, do you ask them, hey, what's in your playlist? Or, you know, how do you uh, approach that? This is a newer topic that's just like, I really just found out about that. It's not that I didn't know, but I really, this, this study just came across a couple of weeks ago. So mm -hmm. I've just been thinking about it. Um, and the more I've been thinking about it, the more I'm listening to songs, especially when I'm out or, you know, in a Pilates, you know, whatever class where I'm listening to music and I'm really listening to the lyrics. I'm like, Oh, this, okay. I don't even understand it. Is this intentional? 
because it's so negative. Um, I, right. I also don't, I don't understand um, the way women and men are portrayed in these songs. It's kind of gross. Yeah. I'm yeah, a, I'm, I, I like, yeah, I like tradition. I'm saying there's a lot to be desired there. Say again. I like tradition. You know, I think we need to, I really think we need to move back a little bit to move forward. Um, I don't like the way that um, Hollywood and, and the music industry is going. Um, it isn't good for the younger generation. I, I do. And I'm not surprised anymore because I've always worked with very young people, but I'm getting like early 20 somethings coming to me and they're just so depressed because mm. they can't, they can't meet people and all of these things play into it. The society right. we live in and the narratives that are being thrown, whether it's music, whether it's reality shows, whether it's TV, film. Um, if you are not highly discerning, it's very easy to become just disenfranchised and without, and, and also mind you that 47% of our population at this point in time is single. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds like uh, you've got your work cut out with you for you with uh, 47% of the population being single. I don't know how many of them are going to find these good relationships given uh, all of the um, negative information that they're getting, at least by way of music. Uh, but uh, everybody who wants to participate in the services that Tony Berquist offers, check her out at ourexclusiveagency.com, ourexclusiveagency.com. Uh, she does matchmaking and uh, dating expertise that's offered. And uh, Tony Berquist, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. This is uh, an interesting topic, to say the least, and uh, one that you're going to have to navigate because I, I don't deal with this on a regular basis, but it looks like you're going to have to deal with it. So Godspeed to you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Folks, we're coming back with your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Glad to be on your show, Rich. It's just an amazing broadcast that I hope the rest of America listens to every day. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And we continue our discussion on what's going on in relationships. Let's go to Lee, Burlington, Vermont, WVMT. Lee, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Well, I think because even when I was in college, I was noticing an awful lot of children, oh, people my age, that were from broken homes. Yeah. They didn't have parents living together and modeling a good relationship. I think you're 100% because right. Sent from one household to the other at different times of the year with joint custody, and they'd have one set of rules with one parent, another set of rules with another parent, and one guy I dated, he said, I don't want you to meet my parents. They're just, 
That's they're funny. just that. He said they use me like a a a, a weapon, one to hit hurt the other, by wow. you know by bad mouthing and I mean it's just terrible. These poor kids that grow up in broken homes. Listen, Lee, I I agree with you, and this is something that I only I not only I went through personally. But then I got divorced and I saw it happen with my own children and tried to mitigate it as best I could uh, because I'd been through that uh, myself. And I can tell you, even as hard as you try to protect your children from the fallout of a divorce, uh, anybody listening, this might light up the phone lines, but I don't care. I can tell you, you're wrong. You, you, there, there is no um, good way, right? Uh, it, this eventually hurts children in, in many, many ways. And from a lot of the research that I read, Lee, I think you're spot on. What ends up happening is that you don't even see the damage that happens. Let's say you, you, you know, you get divorced, your kids are, I don't know, five, 10 years old, whatever it is. Um, you don't see the damage of that into their thirties because that's typically when they're about to get married and they're about to form these relationships and they realize they don't have this solid foundation of what a healthy relationship looks like, unless they've been to therapy and maybe uh, some therapists help them get there. But if they just go with it and talk to their friends and, you know, try to get by, um, it's likely not going to work. And that's why there's a ton of statistics out there. And I don't have time to Google one, but tons of statistics that show that the children of, um, of homes that are, um, stricken with divorce end up getting divorced themselves because the process has been normalized. And of course, that's why we have like half of the country, um, you know, half of the marriages that we see don't last. And, you know, it, 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 this is a lifelong journey. Um, I think for me, at least I can tell you, I can only share about myself that it, it's taken me forever to understand all of the mechanics, um, that go into a relationship. And I, I can tell you, I only see, but a part of it, right? Because, uh, I, I was married for 10 years and that didn't work. And, um, I, I date, but uh, I haven't really had a serious girlfriend, but for one or two, maybe. And, uh, those didn't work out either, right? So obviously the, the jury's out. I'm still learning about this process. And and it, and it's definitely a very involved one. And um, I, I can't blame my parents, but I can cite that uh, that fact that I didn't see that, right? I, I know people who have been married for 30, 40, 50 years and didn't get divorced and they've given me tips and that's helpful. But Growing up and seeing that is, is a different thing. And, and th what you're saying, I think, hits the nail on the head. And it really goes back to this article I was reading uh, not too long ago about these attachment styles and how they come about, right? And they come about from those situations, whether it's uh, something that happens with the caregiver in some moment where the child feels they have to perform a certain way to, to either um, calm one of the parents or to avoid the wrath of a particular parent or the caregiver. And just a very interesting thing that is a subconscious thing that nobody's consciously making those choices. They just do it, but it manifests in relationships down the road. And uh, I thought to myself, it's a very interesting topic that, you know, um, I wish I could interview Carl Jung because <laughs> the stuff I read was uh, by Jung and I thought it was very, very fascinating stuff. So, Lee, I think uh, you're, you're on to something. And what happened with the guy you were dating? Did you give him the boot or did you guys get married? No, I gave several of these were only children from divorced parents, and hmm. they were all very clingy. And they were, uh, and I was like the third of six in a household where there was no divorce, and they were just 
like clinging vines to me. And I had to just one guy dared said that if you break up with me, I'll kill myself. I said, well, if you're that unstable, I don't want you. That sounds like uh, what they call anxious attachment. Uh, if I've ever heard of it, uh, from what I read here in this article, uh, Lee, thank you for sharing that excellent call. By the way, I appreciate speaking with you. Big shout out to WVMT in Vermont. We continue with the rest of your calls straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at night with Rich Valdez. Call now eight three three four Valdez. That's eight three three four eight two. 5337 8 4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. There is more news in your commentary, in your analysis than there is on the news network. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And I want to go to John in Vero Beach, Florida, WTTB. John, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. John, are you with us? There you are. Yes. I didn't hear you. Start again. Uh, Yes, I, I wanted to tell you about a situation that I personally went through. To show that uh, <clears throat> the divorce, when I was, uh, I got permanent primary physical custody of my children. And to get back at me, they used, she used child protective services as a weapon wow. to uh, invade my life and to try to make my life a living, you know what? And, uh, you know, John, it's, it's sad, but all too often these things happen a lot. And the the state has an enormous amount of police power when it comes to protecting children, um, where no due process is necessary in order to take your children away from you and temporarily suspend your parental rights. This is something that I don't necessarily like, but I understand um, the state has this responsibility. And um, when I served in the Christie administration, I was um, in the Division of Prevention, which was part of uh, the Department of Children and Families. And you know, you learn about this power and the, uh, and it really is an awesome and, uh, a high, high power to have to, to be able to take away someone's child out of their house, like forcibly, you know, with the police, without a warrant, without anything, without a, without a judge, you, you, you can do this. And then we go to the judge and, uh, it, it's a remarkable thing. And, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things that is scary. It's scary that people have that much power and that, you know, people can weaponize this process against a spouse or a former spouse um, when there's, uh, you know, a, a back and forth going on because of a custody battle and whatnot. It's very sad. I'm glad it worked out for you, and I'm sorry you went through it. John and Vero Beach, big shout-out to you guys on WTTB. And, folks, I just wanted to thank our friends at BarrettNewsMedia.com. Barrett with two Ts, two Rs, two Ts, BarrettNewsMedia.com. They uh, wrote a nice article about me and uh, came out last Monday, and I think I might have mentioned it, but I wanted to mention the uh, the article and the author, Christina Alarcon. Carol is her name. Anyway, I'm Rich Valdez. We're coming right back. Uh, hour number three, Open Phone America, starts right now. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you and uh, welcoming you to join us on the phone. 833-482-5337 is the phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is the third and final hour of the program that we call Open Phone America, where you get to weigh in, you get to say what's on your mind and uh, speak your mind, make your case. And I'm happy to chat with you again, 833-4-VALDEZ. I'm also trying to keep up with you guys on social media. For those of you that are uh, commenting and sending messages, um, I appreciate that and I will uh, respond as I can. And interesting, interesting news today. Uh, This is a big story here. This is, uh, I think it's big because we talk about this stuff all the time. But voila, here it is. A brand new Harvard poll is out. And according to the poll, the biggest issue uh, facing American voters right now is immigration. It used to be inflation, but it's now immigration. I think this is a huge uh, development because when something's more important than your pocketbook, you know we've got a problem, right? I mean... I think it's uh, remarkable. But Harvard poll shows immigration has surpassed inflation as the top voter concern. And I'm interested in knowing, you know, your thoughts on this, because how how does that happen? Right. How does it happen? I know how it happens. You have an unmitigated disaster going on at the border and people are seeing it. People are seeing it all over the place. When you see homeless people in New York City. Uh, becoming belligerent towards uh, people they perceive to be illegal immigrants in New York City because because they um, are you know, perceived to be taking their their services and and getting what they think is due to them, you know you've got a problem. But yeah, immigration has surged past inflation as the top issue facing the nation. Uh, this is according to a Harvard Caps Harris poll. Uh, released today. The survey found that 35% of registered voters now rank immigration as the country's number one concern, jumping seven points since last month. That's a big jump, I think. Um, Good. I'm glad people are waking up to this stuff. This is a very important topic. Now, the worries over the uh, price increases and the economy weren't far behind with 32% of them citing inflation as the most pressing issue in the United States and 25% listing the economy and jobs as their top concern. But the immigration concerns have increased because Biden and his administration have reported, listen to this, a record-breaking 276,000 illegal immigrant encounters at the southern border in December alone. Now, um, the increased focus on these issues also comes as lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, according to this article, uh, in the New York Post, 
uh, say that they're working to hammer out a deal that would unlock $61 billion in aid for Ukraine in exchange for beefed up border security and changes to the U.S. immigration system, including asylum laws. Isn't that something that in order for us to secure our border, we have to cut a deal and give $61 million to Ukraine? Now, I understand that $61 billion in aid that, you know, goes in the form of um, different types of, um, you know, weapons and whatnot. I, I get it. I just think it's it's it's. It's crazy that you have to have any member of Congress say, all right, before we before we go giving all this foreign aid out, we got to make sure we I mean, it should be a given that we're taking care of what's happening in our own country. Anyway, most voters, 68 percent of them said they want these uh, measures in place that would make it tougher to get into the country illegally. Half of Democrats, 50 percent agreed with the ramped up security measures. Now, that is a departure from uh, previous polling. And I think a good thing, right? It's a good thing and a good place to be when we actually have people that are saying, you know what? Uh, I don't care that I'm a Democrat. I'm going to go with the American idea, with the idea that we support our country and protect our country. And we don't start tying uh, these these national security issues and make them uh, with political issues, right? When you tie the two together and you start saying, no, it's a Republican talking point or it's a, a progressive talking point. Right. And, and they are right. I, I, I definitely talk about border security a lot. And uh, the left definitely talks about um, weakening our border a lot. And, and they have been politicized, but you, you can't lose sight of that. And I think you have you have to look at this and say, what's better for me? What's better for my children? What's better for this country? In each and every one of those scenarios, not letting in people would be the ideal thing to do. But sadly, that's exactly what we have going on. Now, let me see. I've got a clip of audio that I wanted to play for you. It's Senator John Fetterman of of all of all people. Um, he's making the case for exactly what I'm talking about. Listen to this. I, I honestly don't understand. I, I don't understand why it's controversial to anybody to decide that you're going to stand with Israel in this situation. I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we, we need a secure border. Uh, I've been very clear. In fact, that was weaponized against me as Republicans in my race, that I'm very much uh, a strong supporter of immigration. And, you know, my my wife's family, I, that's the Oregon story about that. Uh, and I think two things can be true at the same time. You can be very supportive of immigration, but we also need to have a secure border. And I really I think about immigration is we want to provide the American dream for any migrant. But it seems very difficult when you have 300,000 people showing up encountered at, at our border to do that. And I think we need to, to re, do a reset and we have to work together uh, and develop uh, a new comprehensive solution to that. And that would also unlock a lot of the critical aid for Ukraine. Again, we cannot forget about Ukraine. That's that's critical uh, for Israel and Taiwan. That's a very important kind of standard that we have to maintain that we're going to support and stand with our allies. Now, some people are going to say, well, that's because Fetterman uh, has, you know, some uh, maybe some lingering damage from the stroke he had. No, I don't think that's the case. That's called what do you think happens when you get elected from whatever party in Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania is Pennsylvania. There's nobody in Pennsylvania that's really that far to the left. Even this guy that is saying, oh, yeah, no, sure. Let's bring everybody in. What do you got? A bunch of guys from uh 
from China coming through. You got guys from from Madagascar. You got guys from uh, Senegal. You've got guys from uh, Nicaragua. Uh, you got guys from all over the place just coming into the country. That's what we need. That Americans Americans don't want to do the work they're coming to do. What are they coming to do? Live in hotels for free in New York City? We've seen enough of this. You got security guards that are, are strapping themselves with uh, with knives and, and stabbing dudes in the neck in these shelters because they're so out of control. It's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare what's going on. This can't continue, and that's why you've got these numbers that you're seeing coming out of the poll. 68% of them said they want these measures in place that make it tougher to get into the country. Half of them are Democrats, 50%. That's why. And you got nearly uh, two in three voters, 64%, that say that the immigration problem at the border is getting worse under President Biden's lack of leadership. 77% say they want the Biden administration to make a deal with Republican lawmakers that would increase border security. Yeah, you heard that right. 77% of people in this poll say that Biden sucks at border security and he should cut a deal with Republicans. Now, listen, Biden's uh, poor, 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 absolutely horrible job that he's done at the border uh, has resulted in 46% uh, of respondents saying they're less likely to vote for him because of this in 2024, which is this year. And uh, 30%, uh, 30% of them saying that it has no effect. Look at that. 30% go, ah, it's all right. I, I don't care. I'm still going to do whatever I'm going to do with Biden. 46, that's nearly 50. 46% of respondents said, yes, immigration and this horrible job that he's done is affecting how I'm going to vote for him. I'm less likely to vote for him. This is a big deal. Uh, The director of the Harvard-Harris poll said in a statement that they're very concerned about immigration, inflation, and crime, and that's why so many of these respondents are saying that they want a new president. You tell me, you've got to be doing a horrible job, horrible job to get Democrats that hate Trump to start saying, we need, you know, build a wall, build a wall. (laughs) It's just crazy to me. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm relishing these moments. But thank God. Thank God people are not so stuck to uh, hating Trump that they can't realize, you know what? We, we do need a, a president like Trump. We do need policies that shut down the border. We do need policies that roll back regulations. We do need policies that are going to increase energy production domestically. We do need policies that are going to increase uh, our um, friendly talks and um, increase the peace while not starting new wars. We need a whole lot of that. We need it quick. All right, I'm getting to your calls momentarily. Don't go anywhere. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Voted best head of hair in live late night radio six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. Call 
Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. And we've had a lot of discussion tonight. We've talked about the upcoming primary election tomorrow um, that uh, President Trump is widely expected uh, to win. Um, where is this primary again? New Hampshire. I don't know why I was going to say Vermont. Uh, close enough. Uh, but, yeah, New Hampshire primary tomorrow. I don't know how I forgot that. But uh, brain fart, I think they call it. And uh, we talked about that. Very good discussion on that, I thought. In hour number one, if you missed that, you can always check it out at richvaldezamericatnight.com. And we also have some discussion on how music is influencing people's thoughts, uh, in particular on what they call um, insecure attachment styles, uh, unhealthy ones, about poor relationship patterns. And um, that was an interesting uh, take as well. We also talked with Dr. Mark Siegel about Lots of different things related to diet. Uh, many Americans are saying they're very tired and they blame their diet. And we've got Dana White. Uh, we're going to talk about that uh, straight ahead. Dana White, the president of the UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship, he uh, says, I'm not going to tell people what to say and how to say in a little back and forth with a reporter. Uh, we'll discuss that uh, straight ahead. But I want to get to your calls right now. We got calls from, let's see, from Kansas, from Maryland, from North Carolina, from Idaho, and more coming in, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. Let us go to Dave, Wichita, Kansas, KQAM. Dave, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. It's a privilege talking with you. Likewise. Thank you, on sir. The, uh, on the immigration thing, um... One idea I considered was when these folks come in and. Uh... Did I lose you, Dave? Shoot. I think we lost Dave. All right. Well, we'll keep moving. Uh, maybe we'll get Dave back. If not, we'll uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk to him another time. <laughs> Let's go to Matt. Matt's uh, 80 miles north of Moorhead City, North Carolina. Matt, go right ahead. What's on your mind tonight? Good morning, Rich. Hola. I got How a bad you? phone. I got a bad phone company, not the phone. And it's terrible. <laughs> First of all, good morning. I said, I <laughs> It's like we're batting a thousand here. Matt, did I lose you too? The deep state is out to get you. Rah, rah, rah. Uh, that's what it sounded like, right? Sorry, Matt. Uh, but yeah, he, Matt was saying that he thinks it's Trump country, and I think he's probably right about that. Uh, let us continue. Let's go to Frank Cumberland, Maryland, listening on WCBC. Frank, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Frank, going once. Frank, going twice. All right, we can't get Frank. Looks like there's a problem with our phones. Uh, half the calls are coming through. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's each of those people. I, but it sounds like everybody's kind of screwed up. Check with the guys, the other guys that are on hold, see if they work. But anyway, uh, back to this uh, UFC thing. While we get your your calls situated, the uh, president of UFC got into a back and forth uh, with uh, some reporters, and um, I guess I probably do have a little time to play this audio now if we wanted to. But I was kind of saving it for twelve thirty, so I'll wait till we come back from the break to do that. 
But I will, uh, again, invite you to call because uh, they can't all be screwed up, these lines, right? The deep state can't be that bad tonight, 833-482-5337. But it, the overall issue here uh, becomes a question of should we be telling people what to think? Should we be telling people what to um, to say, right? How do we police one's speech? Is it something that we should do? I don't know. And the, the, the bigger question for me is where do we draw the line with this type of censorship? Where do we draw the line with these issues? Uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, the phone, again, the phone lines are open. I see we have some people on hold. I just don't want to shortchange anybody because we're um, just seconds away from taking a pause. But we're, uh, I see you in Idaho. I see you in Pennsylvania. Well, let's, let's try to go to Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U, uh, check in with Leo. Hopefully this works. Leo, you there? Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Fantastic. You sound like a radio host. So what's on your mind tonight, Leo? Uh, just driving to work and I uh, hear you talk, your show. Uh, some interesting topics there. And i just like to say, in general, you know, I, I'm very sad. And uh, I know uh, Trump is... America uh, uh, first, and... Uh, a lot of things that are happening, uh, you know, this guy Vivek had a lot of a lot of finger points that was going on. Uh, Leo, try to talk right into the mouthpiece because I'm getting every third word here. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, so you were saying about Vivek. Uh, uh, hold on. Yes, right, I right. was saying a lot of the things, a lot of the things. That Vivek pointed out uh, through his uh, through, through his campaign. Uh, uh, think through his campaign uh, are coming through. Uh, a lot of people uh, had an open mind to him, and uh, I think they pushed him aside, and because of you know his faith, and and mainly because of his faith. But the guy was uh, it is he's a brilliant guy, and a lot of things he said are coming through. Uh, today, clearly, you could see how, you know, all the things he was saying about uh, <clears throat> uh, letting uh, immigration, uh, what's what's happening today with the elections uh, with Trump and the candidates. Yeah, Leo, I got to let you go. The music means we got to go. I'm sorry. It's been a choppy connection for a lot of people tonight. But uh, thank you, Leo. And you're right. I think a lot of candidates brought up some good ideas. Ultimately, it's about who's got the best ideas, the best track record, and the best ability to win. Folks, don't go anywhere. We come right back. Your calls and more straight ahead with me, Rich Valdez. Call screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back, amigos. And I want to talk about the UFC fight, um, or I should say the press conference for UFC 297 on Saturday. 
where uh, Sean Strickland, um, you know, had a a tirade that he went on, and that's fine. Uh, and uh, the media were looking to Dana White, the president of the UFC, to um, denounce him. And um, here's what Dana White responded. Listen to this. You obviously give a long leash to your fighters about, you know, what they can say when they are up there with a UFC microphone and you are getting into territory of homophobia, transphobia. Like, is there... I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you... A leash? I'm... St- like Free speech. I control when... what people say. Going to tell people what to believe. Going to tell people... I don't f- tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes on any of them. What is your question? I was asking that question. I'll move on, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably a good idea. You sh- that's ridiculous to say I give somebody a leash. Free speech, brother. People can say whatever they want, and they can believe whatever they want. Amen to that. I love it. I love the passion that he delivered that response with, and it really shows for me. It really underscores what the media believes. And if you, if you listen to the reporter, he's stunned, right? He's like, how dare you, right? He's having a Greta Thunberg moment. He's thinking, how dare you, uh, you know, reject the notion that I'm giving the fighters a long leash, right? He, he thinks that that's the job of the, of the company president, that the, the people working in his um, fighting league should, um, should, should respond uh, when it comes to speech the way he wants them to respond. And he's offended by this, obviously, saying, you know, no, I'm not. How would I ever tell another human being what to to say or what to think? I mean, I love it. This is the difference between those that uh, love the Constitution and love liberty and those that love progressive uh, communist sympathizing policies, typically on the left. And many of those people make, uh, make and take up residence in the media, in academia, and in the government. That's just a reality of life. And that is the mindset that I hope to uh, engage with. Those are the people that I hope listen to this program. And at least, if nothing else, they'll at least listen to how the, the other half thinks, right? And hopefully it's not half, right? Hopefully we're, 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 we're a bigger number of them, people that embrace liberty and, and em, embrace the idea of, of individual freedom. But fascinating, fascinating um, back and forth with Dana White uh, and this reporter. And uh, I'm glad that we were able to hear that. And I'm glad Dana White uh, said what he said, because we need more people saying that. We need more people believing it. All right, let's try this again. Let's go back to Dave. Dave's on KQAM in Wichita, Kansas. Dave, go for it, my man. Hi. It's great talking to you, Rich. I feel Thank right you. at home with you. Thank you. Like but I had it's a- good to talk to you. Off, off the caller idea here. Uh, these folks coming over all our friendly immigrants, well, let's just issue them a red card and let them know that when you come eligible to be a citizen, you will get a green card. But in the meantime, should you be employed, why not let them pay? And there we lost Dave. (laughs) Well, I think in many ways that's kind of what they're trying to do with this app, right? They're saying, you know, uh, we're going to, have you come back for your date and they want to create a pathway to citizenship. This is what they want. They want to be able to allow them to work and to, uh, to, um, you know, once they get a work permit, 
that'll entitle them to a license. I think that's part of the bigger deal here. And once they can get a license and they can become automatically registered to vote in, uh, in, in some municipalities and nonpartisan elections uh, that are non-presidential or non-federal or whatever, where you don't have to be a citizen. And I think this is where the, the things are getting very murky. And I hope, I really hope, I pray that that doesn't remain that way, Dave. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Because um, sadly, right, uh, we, we, we can lose everything, right? If When the citizenry of a country is no longer the the voter universe for that country, but now we have citizens of other countries coming to our country to vote, well, by golly, we're screwed, folks. And I, I, I pray that's not the case. And I, I, I know that there's many states where there are people that have integrity that love the country and would not allow it to happen. And I know that there's also a handful of states where people would love for that to happen. Right. And there's some states that are in between where there's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a challenge, an uphill, an uphill fight. But I see that happening nonetheless. <clears throat> Let's see. Let's give this thing a shot here. Um, talking about immigration, talking about free speech and everything else. Uh, let's go to Frank Evergreen, Montana, K-O-F-I, Frank. All right. Hey, Frank. Yeah. In Montana. Yeah. In Montana, all you need to do to become a registered voter is get a driver's license. And that's that's it. It's just not a long waiting period at all. And right. And, and that's my fear that, that that will transcend into illegal voting during presidential and other elections. Right. And a lot of times they don't even have Montana drivers, I mean, license plates on their vehicles. They're just sitting down in an RV down by the river somewhere and uh, they're not even hooked to a septic and you know, just dumping their waste right up down the river stream. No but way. Anyway, that's disgusting. Yeah, it is. It's terrible. Anyway, then are these Democrats the doing this? Was, oh gosh, we got all, all kinds from all over. They're, they're happy campers, but my God, they, they live like uh, something out of *Les Misérables*. You know, <laughs> That's terrible. horrible. Now, Frank, since you're one of the few people with a solid connection, um, let me ask you this: What what do you think about the president of the UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship? Uh, saying that he's not going to uh, police the speech or thoughts of people that fight in the UFC. Uh, what's your reaction to that? I don't watch the sports. I just don't like watching fights. Uh, they can no, but what do you think about what he said? I don't care what he says. I don't like watching Sports like that. Just. You know, it's funny. I, I don't watch a ton of sports, um, and, and that's one of the few I watch. Boxing and UFC are my favorites, and I missed this UFC this weekend. I, I knew about it. I just I couldn't make my schedule coordinate with my buddies to to you know find a place to go and watch it, like one of the wing places. So I missed it, and uh, and it looks like I missed a really good one because there was all this uh, fanfare about it. Frank, you don't know what you're missing. UFC's fantastic. Anyway, I appreciate the call. Big shout out to everybody listening in Montana on KOFI. We're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Thank you. 
America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. I think Trump is just lying all the time. And the people that believe a liar all the time are crazy. And I can't even understand. Yeah, I, mean, I do not understand why 70-some yeah. million people out there accept a lying, a constantly lying person. He did not win the election. If you just asked him, point blankly, tell us the states that he won that we didn't know about. Did he really win in Georgia right. where he asked the secretary of state for 12,000 votes? Did he really win right. there? Where did he win? They don't know. They just follow his lead. Is lying. <laughs> How do you not love that? That's Chris Matthews. Right. He used to be the main man on MSNBC. Now he's doing commentary on the morning joke. And uh, he says that 70 plus million Trump supporters are crazy because they believe a liar all the time. And um, I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. I I can tell you, look, I think Matthews is just butthurt. I believe that's the popular culture term for what he's experiencing. And um, Chris Matthews is butthurt because he's not feeling that tingle going up the side of his leg like he did when Obama was reelected. But Chris Matthews brings up a a point that people believe Trump. I think the reason they believe Trump is because you can see things differently. Now, listen, I was married once and I can tell you, I saw things differently than my wife nearly 100 percent of the time. And I think a lot of married people go through that where, you know, you just see things different. Uh, you, You move through the world different. And and Matthews here is making the case that it's. It's somehow sacrilege for Trump to tell any secretary of state anywhere that uh, I don't like these results. Uh, Count them again. Find me more votes. But this is somehow wrong. And uh, I tend to think it's not. Now, of course, people will call into question why I don't think that's wrong. And they'll say, oh, it's because you worship at the altar of El Trumpito and that you are part of the cult and you've drank the uh, El Trumpito Kool-Aid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And my response to them will be, well, that's because you've drank the communist sympathizing Kool-Aid and you you have drank the MSNBC CNN Kool-Aid where you think that everything Trump does is bad. And we become um, we reach us. We reach a stalemate. We get to this impasse. And what does one do? Right. And this is where we are. And the reality is this divide is is getting worse and people are taking it more seriously like chris matthews wasn't just giving commentary he was belly aching over this right this was a big deal for you know the the moaning this this was he was very adamant about it and people really are um are really feeling a certain way about this right then you've got uh representative dan kildee uh he was on on cnn yesterday he says that trump supporters are rabid. Listen to this. How concerned are you that the president is struggling in your state? Yeah, we've got work to do. There's no question about it. Former President Trump's supporters are rabid. They're religious about their support for him. A lot of the challenges we're having right now is just bringing Democrats home, getting getting that enthusiasm up again. Well, sir, if Democrats didn't suck, if the president, uh, who is a Democrat, wasn't uh, promoting policies like build back better and everybody's like, you know, replying and and forwarding the the meme that says uh, nothing's built, nothing's back and nothing's better. And that's the truth. 
if there were something to stand on here other than inflation and a horrible border crisis and everything else that Biden's done that really hasn't helped. Uh, Like I said yesterday, I'm hoping that I'm part of those 74, uh, whatever it was, 74,000 people that qualified for um, the uh, student loan forgiveness. I hope I was one of those. I don't know if I am, but uh, he's got very little left that he can play here to, to, to bring it home and to win. And so when he's saying, we got to make sure we bring Democrats home, how are you going to bring them home? Who, who's, who's your closer here? Joe Biden? Come on. Doesn't seem to be working, in my opinion. I mean, maybe they'll make me crow if they get a little crazy with these elections again. But as of, I don't see life changing between now and anytime soon to make things any better for Democrats. Anyway, I got a clip of Trump that I want to play, but I want to get to your calls as well. Uh, let's go to Katie. She's in Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Hopefully your phone works tonight. Katie, go right ahead. Okay, you've been fading in and out since I've been listening. But anyway, I have two questions. One, once we unelect officials and they're no longer a senator or whatever, do they collect unemployment? Well, I'm presuming that they probably could because they're out of work. Uh, but the bigger issue is I, most of these people, when you're at that level, uh, people like you, right? You have a lot of sway. You have a lot of influence. And you have to take a year off, and they do make a good amount of money, 174k. So, I mean, how much unemployment can you possibly get uh, for six months following that? So, I don't, I doubt that they do, but you never know. Maybe they do. But I think a lot of them just go back into their legal practice until they're able to become a lobbyist, and then they're able to do that. And uh, or they, you know, um, they start companies uh, producing videos for Netflix. And then they make hundreds of millions of dollars like Barack Obama did when he left the White House. And there's always an angle somewhere, right? Whether it's a book, a movie, you name it. And I'm not mad at them. That's God bless America. That's kind of how it works. Katie, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, We're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Plus, I got a clip of Trump. Let's see if we can fit it all in in the next segment. 833-482-5337-833-4-Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And the Supreme Court weighed in today with a 5-4 decision saying that the federal government um, is allowed to make use of federalism and is in charge of what happens at the border. And therefore, they can remove the um, razor wire that was installed by the states makes sense to me. I know a lot of people are going to be angry at that, but it does. It does make sense that uh, the state has no immigration function. Um, they're going to have to go and, and bring a different lawsuit to the Supreme Court saying, hey, look, we're being invaded. And uh, as a result of the federal government not doing their job, we have no choice but uh, to do what we're doing. And maybe that was part of their defense, but I think they need to bring a separate suit because 
the federal government saying, hey, look, that's our jurisdiction and these guys are in our way is probably going to win each and every time. Uh, at least that's my, my thought on it. I think they just got to bring it a different way. And maybe it's, it's a long shot, but maybe, right? Uh, just like Roe was a long shot. And they brought that a million times until they figured out exactly how to do it with the right court at the right time. And boom, they, they had liftoff. And by the way, I think today was the uh, 51st anniversary of uh, Roe. Uh, so shout out to um, everybody that made that uh, overturn happen. All right, let's see. Minutes to go. And uh, several people on the line. Let's go to Jim, Kanakanki, Illinois, WK, and go right ahead. Yes, sir. How you doing, Rich? It's good Wonderful. to talk to you tonight. Thank you, Rich. I uh, actually what I want to discuss with you. I'd like to discuss almost afterwards. But you know, I have a way of proving the elections. You know, I mean that seems to be very, very difficult to be able to do. And I have spent hours and hours, actually days and days, trying to get a hold of anybody and anybody or everybody. We're going to run out of time, so get straight to the bottom line, so, you Jim. You know something? I would, I would like, well, first off, we're almost beyond what we call secret elections. Everybody in Facebook and uh, Google, they know who we're going to vote for before we even do, literally. Probably 98% correct. But there's a way to do it, and if you would give me... You have my well, phone. you're running out of time here, Jim, quickly. If you if you would give me a call, well, what we have to do is each and every person has got to certify what he voted for. Right. Well, I think that's exactly what a, a, the, the secret ballot does is, you know, you go in, you show your um, your signature verification. It would be better if there was I.D. And then you go, you cast your vote. And then um, they, they at least where I vote, they, they take a, a receipt of, of mine and I give it to a third person. And that's how they kind of, you know, certify what you, what you've done. So I, I think that's what's going on with the, the, the current system that we have. I think the problem is when you have the electronic machines, uh, they come into question because there's been issues with them and they can be manipulated. So I think the um, the best way to go is the old machines that kind of like poke the hole into the paper. But, Jim, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Ah, I hate it when there's very little time to... Uh, to go. Oh, there it is. There's my music while I'm trying to figure out the next call. Uh, Phil in Butte, Montana says, will Michelle Obama run for president? I say I doubt it highly. It would be a bad move and a step down for her. Mark my words, I think it doesn't happen. But hey, I'm, I'm mad enough to admit I was wrong if it does, but I, I really don't think it's going to happen. All right. Big shout out to Paul and Sue who are on the line. Faithful. I will be back tomorrow. Hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.